morning. Uh, The reading for today is taken from Mark chapter 2 and verses 13 to 17. It can be found on page 1003 of the Church Bibles. So that's Mark chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Catherine, and good morning, everybody. Morning. Please do keep your Bibles open there at Mark um, chapter 2. If you were with us uh, last week, um, we looked at Jesus uh, forgiving and healing the paralyzed man. And we said um, that uh, when someone becomes unwell, um, there there are three things that need to happen. Um, first of all, there needs to be someone to diagnose the, the, the situation, to diagnose the problem. Secondly, there needs to be somebody who can identify um, the treatment, the solution. Um, but crucially, thirdly, um, the, the person who is unwell needs to accept the treatment. They need to receive it. Um, and sometimes that's the most hardest part. We can see the, the problem, the solution, but actually receiving treatment, receiving um, is the hardest thing. And so now Jesus comes along in our reading and says in verse 17, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Our God, our Father, Uh, We come before you now on this Pentecost Sunday. We do pray that he, the Holy Spirit, will be our teacher this morning. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Eating uh, together is really important, isn't it? Apparently, according to research, only three in ten Uh, family units um, do this, uh, citing uh, uh, work commitments and and shift patterns as the the problem for not meeting and eating together. In in the Bible, Jesus does a lot of eating with people. You probably noticed that. Uh, And the way he ate with people was really important for understanding his message. Here we read Jesus eats with people and through it brings a newness of life. He brings a new hope. And this morning I want us to see three things, three quite straightforward things. Jesus brings a 
a new call, a new closeness, and thirdly, a new power. Let's think first of all about a new call. Jesus brings a new call. Look at verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, every disciple of Jesus has been called. Has been called. Follow me and responds to the call. When I was at um, Manchester University doing some postgraduate studies, um, I got a job in the halls of residence as a, a pastoral tutor. My responsibility was to try and care for the welfare of, of, uh, of undergraduates. Once a, a week, um, once a week, I was given a bunch of keys and a bleep as well, and I was on from seven at night till seven in the morning. And if the bleep went off, I would immediately have to respond and ring reception and find out what the, the problem was. You know, I could be doing anything. I could be in the shower. I could be having a meal. I could be watching a really important episode of Bargain Hunt. Um, you know, it's something like that. And I would have to respond. I'd have to stop and answer the call. And in a sense, I no longer had control of my, my life. Uh, uh, my time wasn't my own. I was on call. And in a sense, every Christian, every believer is on call. To be on call means a lot of changes, doesn't it? When you're called. It means um, that you're no longer in control, that you, you don't get to call the shots anymore. Levi here is called once and he follows Jesus. It's quite sudden, it's quite dramatic. And doesn't mean that everyone is called in the same way or has the same experience. But the Bible does say that we are called. But what does it mean to be called? Verse 15 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, while he was having dinner. This is really important for us to understand. In that culture, um, whenever you took somebody into your home, uh, whenever you took somebody in for a meal, whenever you ate with somebody, you weren't just having a meal. You were uh, welcoming that person into the very center of your life. You were entering into a relationship with that person. You know when you're called... Because there's a growing sense that Jesus has to be the most important thing in your life. Then everything else must be, must be second. Whenever that happens, it is a sense that that moment the bleep is going off. And you have to stop and you have to react. The call is a sense of priorities. It's about reorientation around the living God, around his son Jesus Christ. It's not um, saying I'll think about it in another day, in a few weeks, or perhaps at the end of my life. Or it's not saying I just let me do these things first. That's the call. It's a matter of urgency and it's a matter of the now. So that's the call. 
But Jesus calls Levi, and now he comes close. So this is our second point, a new closeness. He comes really close. Verse 15, again, continues, Many many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's worth us now pausing, isn't it, to ask ourselves, what was the, the problem the Pharisees had? What was their issue? Well, it was simply an issue of contamination. Contamination. Uh, we all understand about that, don't we, in our, our modern culture, about contaminations, particularly um, when you get close physically with somebody who is, is ill. You can become contaminated by those germs. And I remember when Samuel uh, got uh, chicken poxes, exactly 10 days later, uh, Phoebe gets it and Nathan gets it. You've all had those kind of experiences. You know what it's like. Contact means contamination. And um, the Pharisees, of course, believed contamination didn't just work on the physical level, but also on the the spiritual level as well. They believed you could become morally uh, contaminated. You could become spiritually unclean just by contact. So by eating uh, and coming close to people uh, with whom you were uh, considered bad and, uh, and sinners and tax collectors and those who cheated and perhaps didn't obey the law and didn't come to temple worship, who didn't pray, they thought they could be contaminated and be corrupted. Now, before we jump to have a go at the Pharisees, it is important to note they did have a point. In our world... Which is very much dominated by uh, a, a radical individualism, um, we can lose sight of the power that community plays in character development and social development. Having a meal together is incredibly powerful, incredibly relational, incredibly intimate and close. The barriers come down, don't they? Anyone who's ever had a working lunch with somebody, you know sometimes how much, how little work you get done because you start talking about the meal, you start talking about how are the kids and, you know, how it it sort of steamrolls. But isn't that one of the major reasons we should actually as a church be offering hospitality to new people in our congregations? Because that's one of the ways, one of the really key ways that we will truly become part of the church family. Now, the people you eat with are the people you will become most like. The people you eat with are the people that you will become most like. So, in a sense, what the Pharisees said, it it isn't crazy, is it? You can understand why they, they said it. But Jesus, you see, comes along now And he does away with all the kind of contamination issues. He ignores the old laws, the the cleanliness laws that you can read about in the Old Testament. He ignores all those. And of course, that was a great shock to those Pharisees. 
How does Jesus respond? Well, verse 17, he gives us this wonderful, amazing, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You get the point of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, uh, I am the spiritual doctor, if you like. And we all know if we're honest, we take a moment to look at ourselves. We know spiritually, we know morally that we're not what we should be. We're not um, what God has called us. We're, We're sick. We're dishonest. We get jealous. We... We hate, we're envious, all those things. Jesus comes and says, I'm the doctor for your inner soul. I am your spiritual doctor in a sense. And sounds brilliant, doesn't it? And it is wonderful, but let's have a think a bit more deeply about it. what does that mean? You know, what about the contamination issue? Let's think about it. If a if a doctor wants to help somebody, say, with Ebola, that's all often in, on the news, isn't it, in Africa? If a doctor wants to help someone with Ebola, what is the last thing he or she should do? The last thing you should do is touch them, isn't it? Um, a, a doctor must avoid contact at all costs, otherwise they can't help them. You see, the Pharisee would be uh, the, you see, the Pharisees would be like those doctors that kind of deal with Ebola. You know, they get the, the kind of jump, white jumpsuits and the plastic boots and the plastic gloves and the, and the respirators and the, all that. And, but Jesus, of course, is not like that. Jesus is straight in there. Jesus gets really close, doesn't he? He gets right up front and... So how does the doctor imagery um, really work here? Let me take you back to Mark chapter 1, verse 40. You remember um, that story with the healing of the man with leprosy. The leper comes to Jesus and kneels before him. And of course, remember, lepers were seen as contaminated. They were seen as totally unclean in every way, to be kept away from. Lepers were seen as, uh, leprosy was seen as a judgment from God. You can, you can read about that. They were kept away from society. They were kept away from the temple. They were kept out of the city. They were morally and spiritually seen as unclean. And what does Jesus say to them, the leper? Well, the leper comes to Jesus and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, I mean, he could have just said, couldn't he, with a word, be, you're clean. He could have blinked and thought it, and he would be clean, but he doesn't do that. Jesus touches the man. Jesus touches the man. Throughout history, when the infected comes into contact with the healthy, it's usually the clean that get infected, isn't it? We, that's what we've already been talking about. And actually that's, in a sense, what all religion is like. That's how we, we kind of view religion, isn't it? 
on the basis of religion. You, you know, you, you try to be um, good, you try to be clean, to, to stay away from the bad and so that you don't become infected. You try and maybe stay in your head away from the, the riffraff of society considered the sinners and the tax collectors. If you want to get to, to heaven, you have to stay away from the morally defiled. That's how, how you try to become religious, isn't it? And try to be clean. That's, it. That's how ISIS, ISIS ideology um, kind of works, isn't it? You, you don't want to be corrupted by the infidel, the unclean. In a way, if you think about it, isn't that the way that we sometimes act in more subtle ways? You know, we move up the social ladder. We don't want to get contaminated. We don't want to stay on the the council estate. We want to move up and eventually perhaps get to Seven Oaks. (laughs) You know... My children will be safe there. We might not say it, but we think it. But Jesus comes along and touches the man. Incredibly powerful. Nothing can make him unclean. He cannot be contaminated. Jesus comes to us. Jesus comes to us and he says, Anyone I touch... Anyone I come close to and intimate with, no matter how unclean you feel, no matter how bad your life has been, no matter what you've done, no matter the stuff that you've done, what others say about you, whatever you're ashamed of in your life and your history, he says, I can instantly make you clean before God. I can overcome sin with my holiness I can make you fit for heaven. We see, when in relationship with Jesus, infection seems to, to work in reverse. The clean begin to infect the unclean. When you get that, your whole outlook on life changes, actually. You, we start to no longer see... Uh, the world as we perhaps once saw it. We're no longer afraid of being contaminated. Now, we need to step back and ask, how? How, do, how does this power come about? This is our, our third uh, and final point. How does this power come about? How? Well, this new power comes about through Jesus Christ on the cross. In Isaiah 53, wonderful passage in the Old Testament, we hear about the suffering servant, which is a prophecy about Jesus, uh, the one who would come to heal. Listen to what it says in verse 5 of Isaiah 53. It says, and by his wounds we are healed. And verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment he was taken away, for he was cut off from the land of of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken the power for the unclean to be made clean instantly comes through this suffering servant jesus christ being taken away 
by being cut off. Where is he cut off? He's cut off at the cross, isn't he? How can his holiness and perfection come to us? Our sin, our uncleanliness was given to him on the cross. He bore it in our place. He took our infirmities. He took our disease. He took our illness. He took our sin. He took our sickness. And by his stripes he was healed, Isaiah 53. He becomes the pariah. He becomes the outcast. He becomes the leper. He becomes the unclean, the contaminated. He was driven outside of the temple. He was crucified on a cross outside of the, te- of the city. He was excluded so that we could be included. So you and I could be included. Jesus comes to call the sinner. Those who recognize, those who recognize that they're unwell, that they're ill. People like you and me that recognize that we are hypocrites, that we get things wrong, that we're inconsistent, that we're weak, and that we're simply in need of the doctor to help us, to heal us, and to take our uncleanliness away. So as we close, you may be sitting there um, feeling that in some ways Jesus is, is Something's pulling you towards Jesus. Um, but you're still trying to get your head around him, still um, learning and hearing more about Jesus. And maybe you're not like Levi, you're not quite in that place. of It's not been an instant call. But I encourage you to, to keep hearing the call to follow, to meditate on verse 17. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. Keep thinking and praying about that And put your trust in the one who is the one who can make you well, Jesus Christ. But of course, for others that you may be Christian here for many, many years, you've responded to the call. But there's a sense that you're perhaps struggling with that closeness, with that intimacy, that that relationship. Perhaps it's prayer is difficult. Prayer is difficult, or maybe it's even that Bible reading is difficult. Maybe even coming to, with God's people here today is a difficult thing, and it doesn't feel close like it used to. Can I suggest the place to start this morning is to eat with Jesus, to uh, come to the Lord's table, and to remember what Jesus has done for us through his death and resurrection and to allow him to come him to come close to us by the power of the cross shall we just take a moment to pray shall we oh god our father we pray today on this pentecost sunday that by your spirit you would bring us close to jesus We pray if that may be for the first time or for the hundredth time. We pray that we would reflect again on the depth of your love for us. That you should send Jesus to die for us. The one who was made an outcast so that we could be included. 
that we could be well. Thank you for Jesus. May we trust him now and always. Amen.